Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Amen. Well, um, I'm excited. Today is the last part of our series. Next Sunday, uh, we celebrate f- our five-year anniversary as a church, and uh, we are pumped up about that. Yeah, and we're going to come back next Sunday night, and you heard it in the announcements, but we're going to have a night of worship uh, just for an hour, hour and a half, where we're going to come together, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus, and all the glory, and all the praise, and all the honor, and everything that has happened, it all goes to Him. Amen. Without Him, we can do nothing, Right. And so uh, we're excited about that. But today we are going to end our series with a word uh, that I believe is so important for us today. And I'm not going to say it's the most important thing that we've talked about in this series uh, because I believe that they've all been important. But today I believe is necessary, especially for, uh, for this time and where I believe we are as a church and the church as a whole. And so just to recap, we've talked about fresh wind, fresh vision, fresh strength fresh courage, fresh praise, and fresh faith last weekend. And uh, so we're ending our series that we've called Fresh. And today I want to speak to you on this subject. I've titled it Fresh Awakening. Fresh Awakening. Uh, How many of you believe we need an awakening? It was interesting to me today, the worship team, I I did not communicate with them what I was speaking on. But as we were singing and we were worshiping, um, I noticed specifically in two of the songs that were talking about coming alive or waking up or an awakening that was happening. And so I believe that there's something that God's wanting to speak to us today. So I want to talk about fresh awakening. I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 5 and start in verse 13. And I love the way that I want to read this from the Passion Translation because I love the way that it words it. Um, It says it this way, whatever the rev... Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct, and everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. This is why the scripture says, arise, you sleeper, rise up from your coffin, and the anointed one will shine his light into you. So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. I like the way that it words it there at the end, that we would take advantage, full advantage of every day as we spend our life with his purposes in mind. As we spend our lives. Can I just start with a question today? Would you be able to say that you are spending your life on God's purposes? Ultimately, when push comes to shove, are you spending your life for his purposes. Um, I think that this is just my opinion, and, and you can disagree with me, but um, just as I look around and as I see what's going on in the world and, and as I look at believers and followers of Jesus, uh, I think there are many of us that have fallen asleep. There are many of us that are completely oblivious because we have fallen asleep uh, in our Christian walk. And I was, I was just jotting some things down like we no longer serve God with passion. We're no longer passionate. We're no longer doing what it is that God's called us to do with passion. We no longer see life through God's lens or through his eyes. Uh, we've become numb to things that are going on around us. 
right? We hear about something. You ever, this ever happened to you? You hear about something, and you're stirred about that thing, and about three days go by, and you can't even really remember. Like, it never even crosses your mind again what that person was going through or what this person or what was happening in this part of the world, right? We've just kind of become numb to things that are going on around us. We're no longer spending our lives for his purposes. We're going through the motions too often. Uh, we aren't paying attention to how we're living too often. And the way that we live actually does matter. And I think that, I think there are many of us, we've just fallen asleep. We've fallen asleep in our Christian walk, in our walk with Jesus. And I think that it's, I, I think that the body of Christ needs to wake up. I think that, I think that the church needs to wake up. That this is a season and this is a time where we cannot afford to be sleeping. We have to wake up and realize what's going on. It's time that we take our place and our position as children of God and do what we're here to do. If I could charge you with anything and we could just spend five minutes talking about the word and we could walk out these doors, I would say do what you know you are supposed to be doing. What does the Bible tell you to do? What does God's word tell you to do? What have you been commissioned to do? You need to be doing that. And too many of us have fallen asleep and we are not, we're not on mission. We're not passionate about the things of God. In some instances, listen, and I'm not, and we're going to get into some things and the importance of why I believe that God wants to wake us up today. But, I, but there are many of us, we're just going through the motions in life because we have become numb, we have become lethargic, we have become apathetic. We just don't really care all that much. And I believe that God has put us here for such a time as this, not only to care, but to do something. Amen. That there's a mission that, that God is trying to accomplish in the earth that we're intended to be a part of, and we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up and position ourselves to do the good works that God has created for us to do. Come on, we talked about this last weekend. That you're not saved by works, but you are saved for works. That there were works that were already created for you to do in advance so that when you gave your life to Jesus and you were transformed, when you were changed from the inside out, when you became a new creation, there was some stuff that God said, I've already planned this for you to do, and now I'm so excited because you're on the team. And many of us have gotten on the team, and we're excited that we're going to heaven, but we've never stepped into our purpose, and we've never stepped into what God has called us to do. We've got to wake up and put on a heavenly perspective. And Paul tells us that we're living in evil times. We just read it. So it's important that we live our lives for God's purposes. And I want to read, this is one of the letters to uh, one of the churches in Revelation. And this is Revelation chapter 3, and I want to read just the first three verses. This is what, this is what it says. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message for the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. I find it interesting that um, in verse 2 or verse, the end of verse 1, where the writer says, I know all the things that you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. 
I don't want to be a believer or a follower of Jesus that has a reputation. What is a reputation? Well, it could be something that you've done in the past, right? They have a reputation. They used to be alive. They used to be passionate. They used to serve God with passion. They used to, they used to could not even control themselves in the parking lot and had to tell somebody about Jesus. They used to drive down the road and think, what can I listen to on my way to work that's going to encourage me and build me up and build my faith? They, use, they, they have a reputation for me alive, but they're dead. When I look now, they're dead. Maybe sometimes a reputation can be formed because of things that you have portrayed, but things that you've never really done. And so you came across as somebody who was alive, and so you got this reputation for being alive, but really on the inside, you're dead. And the call today is to wake up. We need a fresh awakening today. I want to talk to you uh, this morning about the importance of us waking up as believers. Waking up as believers. And here's point number one, if you're taking notes. It's urgent. It's urgent. Waking up is urgent. Awakening today is urgent. Your life being on fire for God is urgent. It's urgent. It's not something to consider. It's not something to pray about. It's not something that, well, you know, when all of this falls into place, then I will start doing X, Y, and Z. No, it is urgent that you wake up today as a believer. Um, I was thinking about an example. Anybody ever overslept? Anybody ever had somewhere to be and you overslept? And somebody, your spouse, or somebody called you, or somebody came running into the room, and they're like, hey, aren't you supposed to be somewhere in like five minutes? Isn't that the worst feeling in the world? Can we just go there for a moment? I cannot stand the feeling of waking up, and you're already behind when you wake up. <laughs> I'm supposed to be somewhere in five minutes, or I've already overslept past the time that I was supposed to be there, and somebody comes in, and they wake you up. And in that moment, there was an urgency for you to get up. How many of you know that whenever you knew, all of a sudden you rolled over and you looked at the clock and they were waking you up and they said, you got five minutes to be where you are. You didn't have any problem getting up out of that bed. <laughs> I mean, you're bouncing up. I'm not much of a morning person, if I'm being honest. It takes me a little bit. My wife would tell you this. It takes me a little bit, you know, sometimes about a good hour to kind of come around to people. <laughs> you know, and so I'm awake, but I'm not really awake. And so I'm coming around and, 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 but in a moment like this where she's had to come in and she's like, hey, didn't you have a meeting at such and such time? And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't have any problem just jumping out of bed, jumping in the shower. I mean, like everything is in fast motion. It's urgent that we wake up. I think that, I think that today and in this season, I think that this is a moment when God is looking at the church and it's like, you were supposed to be somewhere five minutes ago. You were, supposed to, you were supposed to have already had this accomplished. Like, this is, this is what I created you to do. Why are you still in bed sleeping? I think it's a moment that's, it's an urgent moment. It's urgent that we wake up. I think that the Lord is trying to communicate to us today that we need to stop sleeping and it's time to wake up, that there's something we're supposed to be doing. I, I, was, I was reading through in Romans chapter 13. I want to read one verse, but then we're going to talk about a little bit of this for a moment. 
Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says this. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And I love the fact that at the beginning of this, at this, of this verse, Paul says, this is urgent. This is all the more urgent. And so whenever I read something like that, and hopefully you do too, I read that and I think, this is all the more urgent. What is the this that is all the more urgent? If there's something that, we, that is urgent that we wake up, something's coming, something's important, like this is all the more urgent, and I was studying this a little bit, and one study shows that the this that Paul was referring to is probably everything that he had just written in chapter 12 and chapter 13 leading up to this statement. And so there's a part of this letter where he's going through all of these things, and then at the end of this section, he says, this is all the more urgent. Like, time is running out. Time is short. It's time to wake up. This is all the more urgent. And so I jotted down just a few things. This is not an exhaustive list of what Paul has given instructions about in chapters 12 and 13. So this is a brief summary of what I think the this is that Paul is referring to that is more urgent. Here are some of the things he says. He says, let your bodies be a living sacrifice. Let God change the way you think. Remember you are a part of Christ's body. You're not this autonomous, you know, person out here. No, you're a part of the body and you have a part to play. You've been given a gift, so you need to use it. He says, love people. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. He says, don't be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. He tells us to pray. Help other believers in need. Bless people who persecute you. Live in harmony with each other. Don't think you know it all. Submit to authority. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. These are just some of the things that Paul is writing to us about as, as chapter 12 goes on, chapter 13 goes on. And then right at the end of these things that he's communicating to us, he says, and this is all the more urgent. What is all the more urgent? That this be the way that our life looks. That this be the life that we are living while we're here on earth as a follower of Jesus. It's urgent. Uh, Paul is telling us in two chapters that we need to start acting and living like the church. We need to start acting and living like the church. Not just saying that we're the church. But acting and living like the church. Come on, is this too... Is this too bold today can we just be bold at church as we end this series this is urgent um, I was I was reading first Peter chapter 2 verse 12 look at this it says keep your behavior excellent among the among the unsaved Gentiles conduct yourself honorably with graciousness and integrity so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers yet by observing your good deeds they may instead come to glorify God in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. It's urgent that we wake up and start living as people who belong to the light. Ephesians 5, 8, I believe it is, tells us that you are now children of the light. So live as children of the light. 
Stop living as if you're still in the darkness. Stop sleeping on the job, if we can say it that way. Stop sleeping on when you're supposed to be on mission. And wake up. Wake up. You are the church. You are the church. This is not the church. Church is not an event once a week. You are the church. You are the plan. You are the one who needs to wake up. Listen, the time is now. The world is watching. Your co-workers are watching. If we can say it this way, Paris, Texas is watching. It's time to wake up. People are watching. Well, people don't seem like they really want anything to do with God. People don't know what they need. You're the light. You're the salt. You're the voice. You are the plan. It's time to wake up. It's urgent that we wake up. Here's point number two. So we see that waking up is it's urgent. Here's point number two. It's to overcome temptation. You need to wake up so you can overcome temptation. Um, you, ever been, you ever been driving? Maybe it's been late at night or you've been up late or something or you're driving early in the morning and you started to veer off the road. And now most roads that you drive on have those rumble strips on the side. And I, I get aggravated when I drive in places. There are some states that put those right on the line. You know what I'm talking about? Like right on the line. And so you have like no leeway at all. So if you barely get on the line, you know. But most roads that you drive on now, especially major roads, when you start to veer off the road, there's like this rumble strip that its, its intention is to wake you up. Oh, you started to veer off, you know, and you wake up and you get back on the road. I think today is a call for us to wake up and get back on the road. I think there are some of us that, you know, maybe even the church as a whole, but some of us even individually because we are the church, maybe we have veered off in some areas of our lives. Um, Maybe you veered off into wrong thinking. We wouldn't, we wouldn't process it this way, but you can actually veer off into wrong thinking. Uh, maybe you veered off into habitual sin. Maybe you veered off into spiritual laziness. Maybe you veered off into being culturally and politically correct. And so it's become more important for you to not ruffle any feathers or, or be offensive than it is to actually know what God's truth is. Maybe, maybe you veered off into a lack of faith. Maybe you veered off, listen, maybe you veered off into a distraction by your career. And today, I think that, that this is a message where God is saying, you know, you're on, you're on the rumble strip, you need to get back on the road. You've started veering off into thinking the wrong way. You've started veering off into sin. You've started veering off into temptation. You've started veering off into distraction by your career. And you're getting off mission because you are starting to veer off the road. And today is a call to get back on the road. 
to wake up and get back on the road. I'm reminded of a verse in Genesis that I really like when God is speaking to Cain, right? This is right after creation, Adam and Eve. We know the story in the, in the garden and temptation and sin enters the world and then they have some kids and those kids don't necessarily, from what I read, don't necessarily get along all that well. One of them kills the other one, right? I mean, that's not getting along very well in my book when... <laughs> When, when your, your intention is to kill your sibling because, well, God's more, God's more proud of you than, than he is of me. God accepted what you did and didn't accept what I did. And there's a verse here in Genesis 4-7 that says this. You will be accepted if you do what is right. Come on, this is from God. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. And here's the phrase. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Sin is crouching. Can I just tell some of us today at church sitting in this chair that sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you're called to subdue it and be its master. You are no longer a slave to sin. But let me tell you something. Sin is, crou- sin is sitting there waiting for the opportunity. Waiting for the moment that you fall asleep. Waiting for the moment that you start to doze off spiritually. Sin is crouching at the door. Now, how many of us have ever looked back, or you can look back even today, on a situation or a season of your life, and you can look back now and you realize sin was crouching at the door. And I fell asleep and it took control of me. Sin was crouching at the door. You look back now, maybe, maybe you've, you've come out of that. Maybe you're in a different place now. Maybe you're walking close with the Lord now. But you can think back on a season or a situation. When you look back now, you think, wow, sin was crouching at the door. It was waiting on me to fall asleep. And as soon as I opened the door a little bit, as soon as I cracked the window a little bit, as soon as I started to doze off, it came in and it took control of me. And I fell into this and I fell into that. And now when I look back, I just wasn't alert. I wasn't keeping watch, right? We, we veered off into distraction because we weren't keeping watch or we veered off into this wrong thinking or sinful living because we weren't keeping watch. And I think that there are some of us maybe even here today who are probably asleep in temptation as we speak, as you sit here. And right before Jesus was arrested, he took his disciples with him to pray. And I want to read something to you. This is from Matthew chapter 26 when Jesus takes these disciples and and he says, hey, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pray. And then he comes back after this time of praying. It says, then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray. Why? So that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing but the body is weak. And so I looked up the original word here that, that is in the original translation, the original language for what we translate as keep watch or this word watch in verse 40 or verse 41. And figuratively, this word means to be vigilant or responsible or watchful. It can mean to be alert. But literally what Jesus said was stay awake. We read it and we say, keep watch and pray. Here's what Jesus said, stay awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. I think that Jesus knew. Come on, anybody else believe that Jesus, you know, that God knows all things? 
I think that Jesus knew that temptation was coming down the road at, at different points, at different things, and he says, listen, stay awake and pray. You need to stay awake. You need to be alert. You need to be watchful. We have to stay awake and, and alert as a Christian because while our spirit desires to live a godly life, our flesh has a way of getting in the way, doesn't it? Our spirit, we're born again, and we feel like, man, I just desire to follow God. Our spirit wants to follow God. Our spirit wants to be intentional. Our spirit wants to do all the right things. Our spirit wants to tell others. Our spirit wants these things, desires these things. But our flesh has, has a way of getting in the way sometimes. And Jesus is telling them, he says, hey, you need to keep watch. You need to stay awake. You need to pray so that you will not give in to temptation i think it's 66 times in the bible that it mentions being watchful keep watch be watchful be alert keep watch be watchful be alert jesus knows that temptation is going to come and we have to be awake we have to be alert so that we won't give in to temptation i was thinking about um, I don't watch much boxing. Maybe you enjoy watching boxing or you enjoy watching UFC and, and those type of things. Um, I'll watch it occasionally, but I don't watch it all the time. And I was thinking about if I was to, if I was going to be a boxer or if I was to walk into a ring and I was unprepared, I was not aware. Listen, if I was to walk in and I was unaware that I'm walking into a fight, it would be pretty easy to knock me out. I have no guard up, I have no gloves on, I'm not even dressed for the occasion, come on somebody. And I'm walking into the ring and, and nobody told me, hey, you're walking into a fight and I walk in, I can get knocked out pretty easily. How many of you know that the most dangerous fight that you can be in is the fight that you don't know you're in? The most dangerous thing might be you being in a fight that you didn't realize you were in. And I came to tell somebody today, listen, the battle is won and victory is ours, but we're still in a fight. Sin is crouching at the door waiting to control you, eager to control you. Temptation is there. The enemy knows, hey, I just need to get them off. I just need to get them to not tell anybody. I need to get them to not share their testimony. I just need them to fall into this so that they won't be intentional. They won't be on mission. And yeah, they may have prayed a prayer and they may you know, be on their way to heaven and they may have surrendered their life to Jesus in those regards, but they're not living for him and I would just like to keep it that way. It's time to wake up. There's a real enemy who hates you and wants to wrap you up in temptation and sin. And today God is trying to get your attention to say you need to be alert, you need to keep watch, and you need to wake up. I think this is a time when the Holy Spirit is trying to wake some of us up because we've started to veer off the road. And today you just thought you were coming to church. But today God saw this as a rumble strip moment for you to check yourself. And say, where have I veered off the road? And I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. I need to get back on the road. Help me get back on the road. Here's point number three. We know that it's important that we wake up this fresh awakening because it's urgent. It helps us overcome temptation, obviously. But here's number three. It's for the lost. I think we need to wake up for the lost. There are, there are too many of us who used to passionately serve the Lord, used to passionately share our faith, used to 
used to do these things, or maybe you've never done these things, or maybe it, you're fearful of these things. But there is, listen, and you've heard it, and it becomes so cliche, and this is one of those, this is one of those things where we become numb. That there is a lost and dying world. There is. And just because you've become numb to it doesn't make it any less true. There are people around you every day who do not know Jesus. They do not. And God has said, you are my plan. But if you are not awake to the plan, you will not accomplish what God has put you there to accomplish. You got to wake up. I love John chapter 9 and verse 4. Jesus said this. He said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, I do believe that this is Jesus talking to his disciples saying, hey, we're on mission right now. We got to do this because there's a time coming when I'm not going to be here and I've got to accomplish what the Father has sent me here to accomplish. But I also believe we can take this to heart ourselves and say, you know what? There'll come a time when there's no more opportunity to work. There's no more opportunity to harvest. There's no more opportunity to plant a seed. And we've got to do the work that God has called us to do while it's day. Because night's coming when nobody will be able to work. 2 Corinthians 5, um, we quote verse 17 a lot, but I want to read about three or four verses because I want to I tap into what it says after the verse that we quote a lot. Uh, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. Let me read that again. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. I want to bring the worship team back today. Um, I was thinking about, as I read this, we quote verse 17 a lot. When you give your life to Jesus, there's a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has come, right? You're a new, per you're a new creation. You have been born again. You have been born again. And then it goes on to say, and God is making his appeal to the entire world through us. Through the believers, through the church, through the people that are following him. Listen, you are the plan. You are the plan. It even uses in verse 20, I believe it was, to be an ambassador. That we are ambassadors for Christ. To be an ambassador means that you are a person who represents somebody else. What would your life look like if you took seriously the fact that you are a person who represents somebody else? What does that mean? It means that you are a person who represents Jesus to everybody else. That you are an ambassador. There are ambassadors in our country and in other countries that represent their country. 
They are in the meeting to represent their country. They are in the room to represent their country. They are in that area to represent their country and to look out for the best interest of their country and to make sure that people are aware of what's going on in their country. What does it look like to be an ambassador? You are in the room to make sure that people know who you represent. The way I live my life is a representation of Jesus, the things that I say, it's a representation of Jesus, the things that I do, the way that I work, the way that I treat my spouse, the way that I treat my kids, the way that I treat my co-workers, everything is a rep. I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I am not here on my own. I am here to represent Him. I'm here to represent Him. As believers, we are here in this world on Jesus' behalf. We are God's plan to spread the good news to everyone around us. Everyone around us. And God desires, he says, he is making his appeal to all of humanity through us. What does his appeal look like through you? God says, I am appealing, I am trying to appeal to all of humanity through you because you are my follower and you are my disciple and you are, you are a believer. I am making my appeal to everybody else through you. What does that look like? If you are representing Jesus to everybody else, are you a good representation? Are you a good representation of the person that you are representing? That you are an ambassador for? I think for a while, man, it just seems like, it just seems like believers, it seems like the church, it just seems like that there have just been people that have just fallen asleep. Just fallen asleep. We have just dozed off. And it seems like you look at it and you think, wow, the enemy took some ground here and the enemy took some ground here and the enemy took some ground here. And now look at the commercials that we're watching. And now look at the things that we're watching on TV. And now look at what they're putting in the movies. And now look at, come on, can we just be real at church today? We have fallen asleep. And it's time for the church to be the church. It's time to wake up. Will you stand to your feet today? I heard this, this story, and this is, not a, this is not a true story, but I think it could be a true story. But it's so timely for this season and this time. It was a story that, um, if we can just go here for a moment, that the devil, he, he gathered all of his demons together. And he says, okay, we got to come up with a plan. How can we keep these people from living for God? How can we keep them from being on mission? How can we keep them from accomplishing what it is that they've been sent to accomplish? How can we keep them from representing Christ well? And so one demon, he comes back and he has the idea. He says, oh, oh, here's what we can do to keep them from serving God, to keep them from actually doing. Here's what we can do. The first, the first demon says, hey, we can just tell them that there is no God. We'll just tell them there's no God. And the devil thinks, you know, 
that's an okay idea, but I just don't think that's going to get the job done. I don't think we can convince everybody that, I just don't think that's good enough. We need to come up with something better. Let's come up with something better. And so they're sitting there thinking, and, and the next demon comes, comes to the table and says, hey, let's just tell them there's no hell. If it's not good enough that we tell them that there's no God, that's not really going to accomplish anything. Let's just tell them that there's no hell. And, and the devil says, ah, I, just don't, mm, I just don't think that's going to be good enough. I don't think that's going to be, I, th- I don't think that's going to accomplish anything. I don't think that's, I don't think that's deep enough. Let's, let's, come on, let's, come on, we can do this. We can do this. And then the last demon comes up to the table and he says, hey, here's what, here's what I think we should do. Let's just tell them, let's tell them, I've got it, I've got it. Let's just tell them they have plenty of time. The devil says, that's it. If we can convince them that they just have plenty of time, there's always tomorrow. There's always next week. There's always after you get married. There's always after you grow old. There's always after you get out of that job that you really don't like and get into the job that you really do like. There's, there's always, there's, there's more time. You don't have to be serious right now. There's more time. You got plenty of time. Here's what I believe God would say. The time is now. We're not promised tomorrow. The word of God tells us nobody's going to know the day. Nobody's going to know the hour. Nobody's going to know all of it. But we can know the season. We can look around us. We can read God. Listen, the time is now. And if I could be so bold to say it in this way, you don't have plenty of time. The church does not have plenty of time. The time is now. And here's what I have discovered about me and what I think you would say is true of you. Whenever you say that you have time or you'll just get to it tomorrow, you normally never do. But whenever you make up your mind that I've got to do this today, that's when it gets done. The time is now. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to pray for us. I was thinking about this statement this last week that, you know, maybe you've been wondering through this message, how do I know? How do I, how do I know if... How do I know if I'm asleep? How do I know if I'm awake? How do I know if, if I'm passionate? Let me ask you this, the question in this way. If you were to be, just think about this for a moment. If you were to be arrested today for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were to be arrested today for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? And I know that seems like a backwards way of thinking about it, but I think it's the best way that we can identify, am I alert, am I awake, am I, am I on mission? Am I doing the will of God, or have I fallen asleep? So Lord, today I just pray, I pray that God, you would wake us up. 
Lord, I believe there are some of us in this room that have been awake. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to stir that fire and continue to stir that passion and that we would continue, uh, those that are awake would just continue to be on mission and to be alert and to be awake and to see the opportunities and to seize the opportunities and to share the gospel with those around them. But Lord, for those that are not awake, for those that have dozed off, for those that have veered off, for those that have fallen asleep, Lord, today would be that rumble strip moment that would wake us up to get us back on the road, that we would realize we're in a fight and we're in a battle and there's a lost and dying world and there are temptations all around us and the enemy is gonna try to overcome us and sin is crouching at the door and Lord, we have to be awake, we have to be aware, we have to be on mission. And so Lord, I pray that you would wake us up today. Wake us up today. And my prayer is that we would never, ever be the same. That we would never be the same. That from this moment forward, we would live life so on mission that people would even think we're crazy. That we would be so in tune to you and we would be so on mission and we would be so awake and we would be so alert and we would be so passionate for you and the truth, God, that people would think that we are weird People would think that we are crazy, that people would think, what is this? Hey, let me tell you what this is. And so, Lord, I pray for boldness to rise up in, in your people today. Lord, that you would wake us up and you would make us bold. And, Lord, I pray as we sing this song that you would stir in us, that you would stir in us what only you can stir in us, not something that we can muster up, but, God, that you would fan into flame. That you would fan into flame a desire to live for you. A desire to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray as we sing this song, if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life. Anything in their life. Holy Spirit, I pray you would draw them for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.